All right, guys, this podcast is brought to you by SurfPro. Thank you, SurfPro, so much for sponsoring this podcast. I'm so excited about this. All right, guys, if you have any kind of water or fire mitigation, basically you've had any fire or water damage to your house, SurfPro are the people to call. They will come in. They will make it like it never even happened. That's their slogan, and they truly are some great people. Michael Plata is the man. He will hook you up. So if you ever have anything in that realm, give them a call. Let's get this thing started. Welcome to another Paris, Texas, a podcast. This is a podcast where you get to listen to people's stories, people that have either influenced or lived in the city of Paris, Texas. I love hearing their stories, and I can't wait for you to hear the next guest. Alright guys, this guest I'm excited about. I've known her for a while, but I don't really know her backstory, so I'm really interested in this. Uh, Julia Trick Crawford, what's happening? Hey Broadway, how are you? Okay, first question. Julia Trigg Crawford, that's like all one name? How does... Yeah, Trigg and Crawford are not last names. My first name is Julia, okay. my middle name is Trigg, and my family calls me Julia Trigg, like Betty Sue or okay. Billy Bob. My last name is Crawford, no hyphens alphabetize it under the c's for the last name okay but i've my, always wondered my grandmother was julia gillette my mother was eleanor trigg so i'm julia trigg there and my go. daughter is callie trigg so we pass that along really wow mm-hmm. yeah all right where are you from well born my, born born in opelika alabama opelika wow that's quite a mouthful <laughs> opelika. Yeah. it's outside my daddy was a professor at auburn oh um, cool he's a teaching veterinarians so we grew up around the United States at different vet schools and med schools my dad's specialty was diseases communicable between animals and man so we taught at vet schools med schools nursing schools awesome awesome so how long were you in Opelika we were in Opelika about about five years then we went to St. Paul Minnesota for a couple of years and we went to Iowa City Iowa for about five years then we went to Pullman, Washington, where Washington State University is, for about three years. And then we moved to College Station, the Mecca for all Aggies. So I went to high school, half of eighth grade in high school in College Station. Did you like moving around that much? Almost oh, I loved like a it. I loved military. Uh, yeah, I did, but I loved being the new kid at school. You I did? Had, I would wear a bright yellow hat. To school my first day of school and be so you had a girl. you had a system down. Yeah, wow. yeah, I had a yellow hat. Come in strong. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay, so uh, uh, high school was in College Station. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because there's a bunch of college kids. It's How big is College Station? Well, it's huge now. I mean, it may be over, I don't know. How big thousand. was it then? It was, it was maybe 20-some-odd thousand. Okay. There was only one high school, relatively small, but College Station was, the university was really starting to grow. Okay. You know, now there's two high schools and... The city has moved beyond what used to be the outer loop, but yeah. just the popular, you know, what drives College Station is the university. Yeah, it right. was, the College Station was the name of the railroad stop in the old days on the rail train was the College Station stop. No, that, yeah, so that, that's, that's why. That's how the name came. It was the, it was the railroads, everybody off for the College Station. That's a station. Anyway, oh. so when I went to A&M, it was 
20 some odd thousand students and now it's 70 some odd thousand. So you students. not only graduated high school in College Station, you went to college in right. College Station. Yeah. Wow. Which, you know, to go to college in your hometown, I wouldn't trade the experience because I got a chance to do a lot of cool things, but I'd see my dad on campus. Mm-hmm. I'd see my mom in the grocery store. So gotcha. I didn't really get away much for college. So what was your thing in high school? Like what was what was your activity? What was the thing you enjoyed doing most? I was in sports. Sports? Yeah, I was a jock and a cheerleader. We had a really oh. interesting kind of bunch of gals that took over the cheerleading Yay. Uh, my senior year. But that was my thing. I mean, not that I was a dummy. I mean, I graduated with honors, but awesome. I was a jock. Awesome. So what did you want to do? Like what was your idea for college, career, like in high school, what was your thought of where you were going to go? Well, you know, I had a radio show. I used to write for the paper. So I wanted to go into some kind of communication or journalism. Awesome. In awesome. an indirect way, kind of found my way to it. What was your radio show? It was called Tigerland Turntable. We were the Tigers, Vayne Consolidated. <laughs> it was a weekly show, and we'd go and we'd, you know, it was, we'd take requests play you know whatever was and this was back when you actually spun a record wow and the ads were actually like eight tracks that you'd clicked in you know sponsored by Surpro. it would be a eight track that would go in and play it oh and then in college i had a television show at the local uh npr station there. wow so i and you know and then after that had a career in television doing sports broadcast so you actually did you graduate as a as a communications or yep, as, yeah my degrees in communications for me now awesome awesome i think my wife has a communications degree mm-hmm. we all find different ways to use it yeah because not necessarily a writer it's but, one of those broad mm-hmm. degrees right because oh, i would kinda... take a liberal arts i mean the breadth of what a liberal arts person can do mm-hmm. of course i'm a liberal arts person but you know i can I can pretty much sit and talk to anybody or get a feel for what they do because liberal arts teaches you to be, I think the perspectives are different. I, my, I'm in awe of engineers and guys with calculators mm-hmm. and slide rules. That's how old I am. But um, I just, I like the interpersonal skills you sometimes gain in a liberal arts curriculum. Awesome. Did you ever think you would do something vet or related like your, like your dad? Oh, well, that's a funny story. I did. And I was part of a program in high school where those of us, some of us kind of took some college courses. Our senior year, we were kind of already out of high school. And I took an aptitude test. This was during my I Love Animals phase. Mm -hmm. And the test, you know, a thousand things, you know, would you rather this or this? In the end, it came back that there were two jobs that I was very well suited for, aptitude for, a hoop net fish farmer or an artificial inseminator. (laughs) And my mother was just mortified. But that's when I was in my, my dad and I fished, so I was into that. Yeah, but yeah there was a time. But we had traveled the United States with my dad getting all of his degrees. And I saw yeah. that veterinarians went to school forever. Yeah. And sometimes put in the same number of hours, maybe that someone that went to med school. And these guys weren't making the money or they had a different career path. Yeah. But, but, you know, I got a chance to have animals and pets. And I still do to this day. But yeah. being a vet didn't out then what wasn't what it gonna be no so you finish your communications degree at, at um texas a&m mm-hmm. and did you stay in texas a&m or a uh, college station did you no um married my college sweetheart and oh. we moved to um memphis tennessee okay and we were there a couple of years he was with a big grain company cargill he was with neutrina feeds he was okay. an ag engineer with his mba and then we went to florida 
and we were in Florida a couple of years. And at the time, I kind of got my feet under the, on the ground in communications, and I was working for the state in a jobs program, doing their PR and stuff with mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all that kind of stuff. And then after that, we decided we want to get, want to get back to Texas, and we knew we wanted to get back to Texas. We, we knew we were too far from home. We took our Levi jeans to the cleaners and asked to have them starch, and they laughed at us. We knew we were too far away too from far Texas. Too far from Texas. So we came back to Texas in 80. I think it was 83, 84. And then I got involved, actually, um, because I was a college athlete. I played basketball at Mm -hmm. A&M. So I was kind of into the sports broadcasting and found my way into that in Houston. Awesome. And was doing play-by-play and color commentary for college basketball, swimming and diving, professional golf, track and field. And it was still in the this is early '80s, mid '80s. It was a new field for women, you know, mm-hmm. a girl in sports broadcasting, and uh, did a lot of really cool stuff there that I'm really proud of. Awesome. But you know, then. Um, and you were in Austin area. No, we were in Houston. Houston area. We were in Sorry, Houston, Houston area. Yeah. But that awesome. was interesting. Uh, at the time, there were really two gals in Houston doing sports broadcasting. Me and Hannah Storm. If anybody's followed Hannah, she's now with major networks. But she and I would trade off Awesome. Shows. So it was an interesting time. And how long did you do that? Did that about uh, two years. And then, because it was relatively new, I wanted to do something else. But I wanted to use that, you know, typical journalist. I love to scoop out the story and talk to the right people. So mm-hmm. someone recommended the field of executive recruiting, the really senior-level executive search. So found my way to a small regional firm and then found out that I had an aptitude for both the research side and the people side mm-hmm. and the consulting aspect that comes with, you know, that we need a new CEO for our oil company. And I could figure that out. So I was in recruiting for 25 years with some of the big firms. Wow. National, global firms. The big firms like Corn Ferry and Spencer Stewart. And that was out of Houston. It was out of Houston. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So you were 25 years in Houston. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then you had a, a kid somewhere in there, right? Yeah, Callie just turned 30. Wow. So Callie Trigg is 30. She lives out in Sacramento now. Awesome. Sacramento. I've been yeah. there a couple times. i got a few friends there. Really? It's a great yeah. town. It's a great town. Um, awesome. And uh, so 25 years in that, you loved it. Where'd you go from there? Well, then life takes a turn. Um, my husband and I divorced. Callie was on her, you know, in college at A&M, and... My dad. Oh, she went to A&M, too. Oh, yeah, she oh. went to A&M. And she wishes she might have gone somewhere else, but she went to A&M. And about that time, my mother had passed away. My dad was here in Paris. He'd retired okay. from vet school, and he was living at the family place out in Direct. Okay. And he said it was t- he was remarried. He just remarried this amazing woman from Paris. And he said it was time for him to hand the farm off to somebody else because he ran the family farm. So. Okay. Of the three kids, it made the most sense for me to move to Paris, a place I'd never lived as a kid, but we used to come here in the summers. So I moved here in 2010 and took over as the farm manager, and that was kind of my job for 
it's still my job now, but I had to bolt on another job to make a little bit of money. So that's okay. where I wound up both running the family farm and as the marketing director at People's Bank here in Paris. Awesome. Okay, hold on. So you came here as a, like a younger kid on the summers in Paris? Yeah. What was yeah. it like then? Like what was your thoughts of Paris as a kid coming to Paris? Well, it was always two Christmases and be in the car for 30 minutes at a time because my mother's family lived um, in Paris. At, on, on a, a grand old house is still standing on Clarksville, 1446 Clarksville. It's a red brick house Aww. just down from Kroger. So we'd spend one part of Christmas there with my great aunts and that crew. And then we'd get in the car and then we'd drive to direct to go to my dad's parents' house okay. where it was a country house with cows outside and horses and a big old fireplace kind of polar opposite a little bit yeah but it was still you know it was it was a great place to come as a kid so I never my impressions of Paris um just a it the town didn't have a character aside from my grandparents because when you're 10 years old you don't want to look at archaeological I mean architectural stuff right the Eiffel Tower in there <laughs> the Jesus cowboy boots wasn't there I yet it was there no it was there oh, it I'm, was? I'm not that old yeah, oh, okay because that would have been that was yeah. you probably didn't visit it though no I didn't <laughs> we went to the cemetery to lay to rest our grandparents and but, our great-grandparents yeah. yeah um okay so coming back sorry jumping back to now you've moved here what was your thoughts as an adult coming into Paris moving here permanently well I knew it would be a change coming from I lived right in the heart of Houston yeah. you know and any kind of food I wanted or independent yep. film or if I needed whatever I could within 30 minutes I could find it so I knew I was I wasn't I knew I wouldn't have a culture shock thing but I knew it'd be different mm-hmm. but I embraced it embraced I embraced it enjoyed yeah, it yeah you know and I'm sure joining the bank, you probably met, the banks are places where you meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you probably met a lot of people, made a lot of friends really quickly. Um, yeah. In fact, there are people that say, well, you grew up here. I'm like, no, I didn't. And they're like, well, you know everybody. I'm like, well, I've gotten involved in things. You know, I've gotten involved in the ambassador group and kind of my job at the bank. Part of it is to kind of be the face of the bank and the mm-hmm. community. So there's anything going on, like tomorrow we're hosting the state historical commission's quarterly meeting in the mm-hmm. branch in our in our downtown lobby so right. that's my job is to stay connected and you actually helped me out not too long ago you got me because uh, y'all have a downtown uh branch well it's closed now but mm-hmm. a bank building that had a branch in it and you let me use it for um the paris and 360 You're, that was great and it was a lot of fun um, in fact, we're using, we're having something, like I said, tomorrow, and the system we put in place, I think, to hang some of your artwork, mm-hmm. we're using it again. So oh, yay. The, the bank has a, there's got to be a, a lot of things the bank can do to stay engaged in downtown. Yeah, That's and I know you're doing Comedy Fest mm-hmm. here That'll be the soon. second year. We're going to be the hospitality room, which was really fun. All the comics came there to get something to eat for free, mm-hmm. sit down and talk and we witness these guys working on material by bouncing it off each other. That's awesome. So we're looking forward to being the hosta, the green room again this year. Awesome. Next I, year. Next year. I love that spot downtown. It's so gorgeous in there, and it's so, I don't know, it's just so full of history and mm-hmm. character. That it um, is. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about some of your passions. I know you like, uh, and you talked about independent films. Um, I know I know because we're both on the um, – 
grand theater board together mm-hmm. that you have at least a heart for film and movies and um you know i've had a few conversations about short film um festivals and stuff like that tell us a little bit about some of your passions and stuff well uh, um one of the first things that kind of got me in the community here was my passion for family land and stewardship of the land and mm-hmm. property rights because when I got here, um, my dad handed me the keys to the tractor and showed me how to hotwire if the keys didn't work, and then handed me a folder, and he said, there's a pipeline that wants to come across the land, and you're in charge of dealing with these guys. So five-year story short, you know, we didn't want, our, we didn't want to give our land to TransCanada to bring diluted bitumen or whatever they were going to be transporting from Alberta. So we didn't sign an easement. Our land was taken through eminent domain. We lost at the local court level. We lost the appellate court, and then we went to the Texas Supreme Court, who didn't hear our case. But during that time, it was a very volatile—not volatile. It was a there was a lot of visibility across the United States on mm-hmm. pipelines and what they're transporting, and eminent domain and property rights. So, one of my passions is property rights. I still stay oh, engaged cool. in it right now. So, you know, kind of peel that away, and that's actually part of how I got so engaged in this community. And it's been interesting. It wasn't a political stand. It was a property rights stand, which crosses whatever, you know, party you're in. Mm -hmm. So I met a lot of people in this town as part of that. Some of whom didn't agree with my stand, but later told me they admired my professionalism on how I did it. Awesome. So that's a passion. But um, as a result of that fight, we were in a documentary that toured North America. So I got to go to lots of film festivals, MARFA. New York, Atlanta, Ooh. Edmonton, everywhere. So I saw, they were all documentary film festivals, though, which was really... Oh, that's cool. There's so many real stories out there. I, I don't necessarily, it. I don't read fiction, and I really don't go to a lot of just regular films. I like to, I got to learn something if I'm going to sit yeah. and read or sit and watch something. That makes sense. That makes sense. And actually, I have found um, that the, the Paris Public Library mm-hmm. has an amazing film section that's called... Uh, they subscribe to something called Film Movement. It's an independent film series. They get a new film every month, and it could be from Korea or the Ukraine or whatever. Awesome. So if anybody likes film and you're frustrated that you don't see the really cool stuff that goes to the small festivals, go check out the independent films in the white jackets in the back of the library. I don't library. have to do that. My, my kids, I don't. they love to read. I remember as a kid, I didn't enjoy reading as very much. I'm more of an audiobook kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. My boys love to read, so we go to the library all the time. So I have to go see that section yeah, and check it out. Um, and I actually, I like making short films. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. my passion. Yeah. Uh, I just released a new one, um, and it's all about two cowboys traveling to a rodeo uh, in Paris, Texas. It's, I think I saw something on it on Facebook, but I'm sorry I didn't click on the link. That's okay. So I'll it's have to okay. go see it. What's um, it called? Uh, Jump the Gun. Jump the Gun. Yep. It's kind of who did you cast in it? Uh, Luke Krogman. That's who I thought was yep. yeah. One and of your guys. and uh, uh, Corey um, Larson. Lawson. Okay. Sorry, I said that wrong. Okay. Lawson. So uh, it's the only place to see it online. Or it's so we entered it into, coming through at a theater new soon. Huh? Uh, yeah. Well, I love that, but uh, at the moment it's in a competition, the Road Reel competition. Um, it's uh, a Road Mike is a company that makes microphones for filmmakers, and they are based out of Australia. And basically, so I think the next two months it's going on, 
and you can go on, you can vote. Um, I was in it like four years ago for a short film I made called Philadelphia, uh, and it was uh, very similar to, um, uh, oh, what's the name of that movie, with um, the guy from The Office, A Quiet Place. It's very, very similar to A okay. Quiet Place, same, same kind of idea. So that one done really well four years ago, and then so we did it again this year. And so we're are seeing, these virtual festivals? So they're all online, or are these all actually, online? Okay, yeah, all online. Yeah, this one is. I've never actually been able to be in or even uh, attend a, a short film festival like in person. So well, speaking of that, next year there's going to be the first Paris International Film Festival. Very excited about April that. April the 17th through the 19th. We finally decided on the date. We being the group that's putting it on. I'm mm-hmm. just on the advisory board, but I think that'll be exciting, and there'll be probably some shorts and yeah. you know they won't just be the feature films but awesome. i think that's going to grow into maybe a, a thing that there could be a student section there Love could it. be competitions there you could hold a filmmaking class yeah so we got to get the grand theater up and running so it Agreed. becomes like this portal for everything whether it's film or live performances or go art. go a little bit into the grand and and our involvement and what that is and what that means well you know, apparently and this is Prior to me coming in town, the Grand's Resurrection has been started several times mm-hmm. by great, amazing people, and they've they've gotten the sign fixed. So it was that iconic sign downtown, mm-hmm. um, and all that really happened was um, a new group got to you know everything's kind of it moves and there'll be a little bit of a lull, then someone else will pick mm-hmm. it up. So the next step in that evolution was to actually get a contract with the city because the Grand Theater is owned by the city. Mm-hmm. They really don't know how they inherited it. It was some gifted or tax dollars or something but it's mm-hmm. owned by the city so what we did is we just kind of picked up the baton from the last group i think it was um wyatt bowden and mm-hmm. leadership lamar county class but they they got the sign going it was like you know oh the sign yep. is turned on huge so, step so the next step is to get a contract with the city because the city owns it so if you're gonna either have to buy it or lease it and it made more sense to to basically lease, lease it. it at the moment. So we worked a um, lease agreement. It's a 30-year lease with the chance to extend it to 20 more years for $10 a year. Yep. We have to raise the money to fix the place. Right. But, uh, and that's where we're at. So we got the word out. I mean, it was a big deal. I had to go testify or make a pitch in front of the city council. Mm-hmm. And they said, sure, because it, it was like a 30-page 30 con- 30 contract. It's Everything is spelled out. Who does what? So that's locked down. So now we're in the phase of getting visibility that we're back up and running and holding fundraisers. So Mm -hmm. we had our first fundraiser a few months ago. Well-received, amazing uh, commissioned artwork, people with a lot of excitement. Um, And now we're going to do another one in November. And ServPro actually is going to yeah. help us hold a glow golf tournament. Michael yeah. Plott has done a great job in, in making that a vehicle to fund um, baseball teams or tailored rides or some other things. Yeah. But the big wish right now, the, the, the most pressing thing at the Grand is we've got to get all the asbestos out of it. Yep. That is the health issue that comes before the pretty stuff. Yeah. So we've applied, thanks for, to the city's help, um, for a federal grant and should that come through that's the money to get all the asbestos out and then we can start 
selling chairs or yeah. bricks or things like that. Unfortunately, with asbestos, like there's no visual change. Like no, I mean, if anything, it just looks like there's less stuff in yeah, there. Just scrape they all just those scrape the stuff off. off. So like, it's really hard to convey to the public like things are happening when. It really, the only thing that's happening is, is they're taking bad stuff out of it. Well, and that puts the onus on us to be more visible. So I Correct. think we actually have mapped out, and the board has mapped out, probably six or eight activities in the next six months where we may just be a table with a popcorn machine handing it out as yep. some, something else is happening downtown. NetFest or... Paris Fest. Paris Fest. So I hope people are watching for us. We want to hear their stories. We mm -hmm. want them to know that we're going to get it. I've heard amazing stories. How I Met My Wife. How I Learned X, Y, and Z. The last movie I watched in there. What was the one that you saw? The Titanic was the last one I watched Titanic. Mm -hmm. Was the floor sticky and were there rodents oh, running sure. around? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, for okay. sure. And I well, saw it a couple times. I don't remember why. I, as a kid, I was always fascinated with the Titanic. So I think that's why I watched it a couple times in theater. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was... It was cool. Well, and things keep popping up as we go in and out of that building. Someone will come over and say, oh, I have a photograph that you might yeah. want to see. Or uh, talk to someone who's actually not even, she's younger than I, contemporary, who has the ticket stub, a scrapbook of the ticket stubs of every film she ever saw in there. So my, uh, I was actually with my father the other day, and he was telling me how, as a kid, his dad ran a printing shop in the, in the uh, Forge building that's behind mm -hmm. it's a mm -hmm. forge building mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. and he said it used to be a long 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 time ago when he was little little it was a print shop and they just had uh, like they did bulletins and stuff mm -hmm. like that and he said he remembers that they were friends with the owner of the of the movie theater at the time the Pomeroy's yes uh -huh. and he remembers going in and the Pomeroy's would give him you know some popcorn or candy or whatever and it was just like he's he always felt like he was treated super special because mm -hmm. they were neighbors to him and stuff like that well, so a, a cinema is magical you it know is. it transports those that are sitting in the stands and those that make the films and present them so if anybody wants information we're we're building the movement we have a facebook page we have a website mm -hmm. restoredthegrand.com so we just kind of want the word out that this is we are just we're just now getting going on this. So things yep. are going to happen. And in part with all of this downtown revitalization and focus on Love making it. downtown a destination, I think the Grand fits perfectly in. And when the Tool Design Group was here last mm -hmm. year about mapping it out, I think they got it that, you know, the, the theater can be a... Um, a landmark oh. that a people come to or are drawn to from Dallas or from Atlanta. Yeah. And this film festival, they're going to jury, you know, applications from all kinds of... You, you need the square is so iconic and i love the square but you need things that when you poke your head down each road you need something that pulls them down that road and all of them do not mm -hmm. not any one specifically and i think the grand can be that for for it, you know that direction like you poke your head down there and that lights on and mm -hmm. you you instantly wants to go see what else is down there what's that what is the the neon sign about I love it. I love it. I mean, and I, I mean, movies have always been my passion, and they're like you said, they're an escape for me. They're magical. Well, just um, look at your, yeah, look at your my right arm. There. Yeah. yeah. So it's always been, and that's and I that when you said you were going to do that, I, I think I came to you the next day, and I was like, I want to be, be involved. Yeah. yeah. And we're hearing that. I wish we had. You know, we're going to have to, as we ramp up, we're going to need to have committees. You know, mm -hmm. special event committees. So if anyone 
has that burning passion and wants to be involved, just get a hold of someone on the board. Yeah. Any of us would love to engage you. And maybe being a board member, actually, we need one more board member. On yeah. Our, we need. Uh, we have a little vacancy, but we're going to have lots of committees. So yeah, uh, give, help us meet. help us bring that passion. Either one that. of us can point you in the right direction, right. or we'll see. There's John Bratcher, um, Lee Jane Walker, Lee Jane Walker, Michael Plata from Surf Pro, yep. James Wyatt, yep, uh, Chad, Wyatt Bowden, Chad Lindsay, Carla Easton. Mm-hmm. He's a huge help from the city. Yep. So any of those people, reach out to us or just get on. I think there's a way they can contact us through the website. Um, yep. So you can just reach out through and the website. And Katie Dixon with First Street Media runs our Facebook page. Yep. And she's been very engaged. She built so it kind of, didn't she? She did. We yeah. rolled that out at our at our first uh, fundraiser. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's another question I ask often. Where is a favorite place for you to go in Paris? It can be anything. It doesn't have to be food. It can be food. It doesn't have to be food. Um, it could be um, anywhere, anywhere in the Paris area. Well, the farmer's market on Saturday oh. is my social thing. Even if I'm, I mean, I've given up coffee. I've <laughs> given up dairy. Oh, no. I try not to eat any kind of bread. So I can't buy from Gerald's coffee. Of yeah, it. but I just go and I see the people that I, I love. I know. Yeah. And my so, sister sells soap there from the goats. She has goats and she milks them and makes her goat milk soap. So she sells it there. But that's, I didn't far, know that. Yeah. I've seen her. I didn't know yeah, that was your Leg- sister. Legacy soap. That's my sister, Allison. I mean, She's got the goats. They all have names, and she hand milks them and makes this amazing soap. So, awesome. Um, but, yeah, the farmer's market is, if I don't go to a farmer's market on Saturday morning, I feel like I didn't you miss something. do my bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have a routine when we're not, like, crazy, crazy. Life has been so crazy for us this summer uh, for some reason. But well, yeah. Our routine new baby. is yeah. a new baby. We just sold our house. Oh, we just Our church just moved from one building to another building. Um, we, there's just been a lot all at the same time. Um, but our normal routine in the summers is Paris bakery in the morning and Mm -hmm. we get cinnamon rolls and just tons of yummy goodness. The kids love it. Then we go to the farmer's market for about an hour. We walk around, we see friends and we talk and we check out some of the vendors and get stuff. And then we go up to the library and we spend about an hour at the library and that knocks out our whole Saturday morning, but Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a perfect morning adventure. Yeah. On Saturday mornings. So that's what we like to do normally on Saturday mornings. So I would agree with you. Farmer's Market is amazing. Yep, it is. So um, if y'all haven't gone to Farmer's Market, you should. Uh, okay, awesome. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Way. A lot yeah. of cool information. Um, a lot of cool stories, yeah. Well, none more cooler than yours. So. I don't know But I appreciate that. the chance to share them. Um, uh, all right, guys. As always, we try to come out with a new podcast every Monday, so check again next Monday for a new guest. Um, I want to send one more big shout-out to Pro. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring this podcast. You guys are amazing. If y'all ever have any kind of fire or water mitigation needs, hit them up. Or anything that's kind of house-related. I know a funny story. My mother-in-law had a clogged dryer vent. Um, which could cause a fire, but uh, she ended up calling ServPro and they helped her out. They helped her get that fixed up. So uh, they also do like wedding dresses cleaning and some saddles. They saddles, can clean saddles in those machines. Leather have. boots, leather chaps, uh, all kinds of leather goods. They have this machine. Oh, I forgot the name of the machine. Esporta. It's like a huge washing machine, like 
take what you think of a washing machine and triple it. It's like huge and they can fit all kinds of stuff in there and clean it. So if you've got something that's been up in an attic for a really long time or has been in a fire um, and you want it cleaned back to as close to original as you can get, Surf Pro's place to call. Um, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week.